Support for this podcast is brought to you by your adventure calendars. Why stick with getting small morsels of chocolate or little knickknacks that you don't want? Make this advent huge. Try skydiving on the first, rock climbing on the third. Yes, we've got all of your Christmas adventures lined up with the advent calendar. For a small nominal fee of $37,000, we take care of everything else. And to sweeten the pot just a little, use the promo code TISTHEPOD to save 7%. Happy holidays. Okay, people, tomorrow morning, 10 a.m., Santa's coming to town. Oh, my God! Would you please tell him that instead of presents this year, I just want my family back. Rudolph, with your nose so bright, won't you guide my sleigh tonight? It must be magic. I must find some way to keep Christmas from coming. Nobody's walking out on this fun old-fashioned family Christmas. Isn't there anyone who knows what Christmas is all about? True, Charlie Brown. I can tell you what Christmas is all about. Seeing isn't believing. Believing is seeing. The best way to spread Christmas cheer is singing loud for all to hear. Welcome to this episode of Tis the Podcast, the podcast determined to keep the Christmas spirit alive 365 days a year. I'm Julia. I'm Anthony. And I'm Tom. We're back for another week. I'm so excited, guys. It finally feels like fall here. I said last week <gasps> we did it. It finally does. Yay. I needed a coat this morning, so I was really happy. Ah, success. Here too. So we're all on the same page. Yep. What is coat weather for you, Anthony? At what temperature does the coat come out? It has to be under 50. Otherwise, I'll go in short sleeves, no coat, no sweatshirt. I'm like, none of it bothers me. What's How about you, time? Julia? Mine is like 64. I put on the long pants around 45. Oh, my gosh. Shoes, wow. shoes a little below freezing or if there's snow on the ground. Otherwise, it's still the flip-flops, no foot prisons for me. <laughs> <laughs> hashtag no foot prisons <laughs> we're coming with a lot of hashtags on here guys <laughs> we really are well i'm super excited about this week because we are talking about my favorite version of a car- uh, christmas carol a muppet christmas carol starring the muppets and Isn't it the muppet christmas carol i always thought the it muppet? was I always thought it was a Muppet, but I think it's the Muppet. Wow, it is the Muppet Christmas Carol, according to MDB. The Muppet Christmas Carol. Anthony, you want to give us a plot summary for the Muppet Christmas Carol? The Muppets tell their version of the classic tale of how an old bitter miser who makes excuses for his uncaring nature learns real compassion when three ghosts visit him on Christmas Eve. So, essentially, we're talking about a Christmas Carol which has been around forever, Charles Dickens, but remastered and set to an entirely different atmosphere with the Muppets. So before we get into plot where we will dig into Dickens and all of that, let's talk about histories. I love this part. Anthony, what's your history with the Muppet Christmas Carol? Um, This was actually the first movie I saw in movie theaters. I was three when it was released. I I don't remember my first viewing. I know it was at Poughkeepsie Galleria, upstate New York, about an hour from where we live now. Uh, My mother took me. So this is my first, both my introduction to the Muppets and to A Christmas Carol. Obviously, I was three years old. I from what my mother said, I enjoyed it. I stayed quiet the whole time and transfixed to the screen. <laughs> yeah, this 
has been part of my Christmas canon for as long as I can remember. I know I became a fan of the Muppets through this movie. I started delving into more Muppets-related um, material before other versions of A Christmas Carol. I've always loved this movie. I got an appreciation for the story itself as I grew older, obviously, especially after I read Dickens' original work. Because, um, you know, one of the things that, that many people who aren't as familiar with the original book might know is just how close this kind of airs to it in a lot of ways. It lifts quotes and narration points directly from it. So it's a pretty faithful adaptation. But um, yeah, it's always been part of my Christmas canon. I love this movie. You know, you can't go wrong with Michael Caine or Kermit the Frog and the rest of the Muppets. So I'm really excited to delve into this movie. And I'm really excited to find out what Tom thinks because he sent very cryptic messages in our Slack chat earlier. And I don't know if he was taking part in the tradition of trolling Anthony or if he was being serious. This would have been trolling Anthony and Julia, if that's the case. We'll see you later. Yes, total red herring. Um, <laughs> I had never seen this movie. I seen bits and pieces of it and I've heard the music for it, although I didn't know it was the music. Some of these were, songs were from here until... I watched it. But Sunday, Christine, my wife, and I got in, we curled up in bed with Ellie, my daughter, and uh, put this on. And she immediately laid right between us and had a hand on both of our arms and just cuddled in and was as happy and content as can be. Um, I actually got my Instagram photo set to go to post next Monday when I promote our this episode on my Instagram. I'm going to post a picture of the three of us in bed cuddled up watching this movie. So that was a, a very fond memory and one I'll be able to share and, and remind Ellie of as she grows up. Julia, what's yours? Wait, what do you think uh, of the actual movie yourself, itself? Oh, it's freaking amazing. Okay. <laughs> Just freaking amazing. Sure. That's what we were looking for. So. <laughs> it was so good. So my history, I can't remember when I first saw it, but my first vivid memory of watching it was I had pneumonia kind of a lot as a kid, but I remember it was obviously after it had already gotten onto VHS tape. Whenever I was sick, I would go downstairs and mom would pull out the pull-out couch and I would lay on the couch and I would just see movies. And she'd bring me my favorite foods and she'd just love on me while I felt bad. And I remember her putting in this movie and watching it on repeat after that. Watched it once and I just started it right back over. And it just made me so happy when I felt bad. And after that, mom and I have a particular love for this movie together because we would just watch it so much. Um, I wish I remembered the first time I watched it, but I definitely remember subsequent viewings and how happy it made me. So I adore this movie. It's one of my favorites. Was your VHS copy one that had all of the commercials from the time it was recorded on TV? Because those were the best VHS movies to watch as kids. No, funny enough, this one was actually purchased at the store VHS tape. Wow. It was pretty fancy. Pretty (laughs) fancy. We had a lot of the recorded ones. This one was genuine, bona fide, paid real money for it. So I remember the squishy cover. You remember those big VHS covers on animated movies and they kind of like squished a little bit? All the oh Disney movies. All the Disney movies did yeah. that. Yeah. That's my childhood. I still have all those in a box somewhere. Okay. So when it comes to overall plot, really what we're doing is talking about A Christmas Carol by Charles Dickens with a little flair added in for Muppets. For the first so, time of many times, we'll probably cover this story. <laughs> Yes. 
So you want to talk Christmas Carol origins and, and ghost stories and how they can work into the Christmas season and all of that? Yeah, that works. So basic story of Christmas Carol, for those of you who are not familiar, you have the main character, Ebenezer Scrooge. He's a real miser. He's a total penny pincher, and he has absolutely zero Christmas spirit. He has a guy that works for him, Bob Cratchit. Bob Cratchit is the absolute opposite of Ebenezer Scrooge. Not much money, but he thrives on love. He's very giving and he loves the Christmas season. And most everybody else around Ebenezer Scrooge loves the Christmas season. He's definitely a standalone. So he goes home on Christmas Eve. He is visited by the ghost of his old business partner, Jacob Marley. And Jacob Marley, who's dead and has been decaying and rotting in his grave. Uh, It scares Ebenezer Scrooge when he sees him because it's a ghost. So the ghost of his old business partner tells him he will be visited by three ghosts that night. He's visited by the the ghost of Christmas past, present, and future. And it's those three ghost exchanges that really changes Ebenezer Scrooge's life. Um, that we see wakes up Christmas morning, and he's joyous, and he's got the Christmas spirit, and total... Bad guy gone good story. So that's the rough Christmas Carol origins. Obviously, read Charles Dickens because the literature is beautiful. Yeah, ghost stories at Christmas time were really actually very popular in the day. We kind of lost that as time go on, but there are hints of it even in modern Christmas songs. Like, it's the most wonderful time of the year. They refer to scary ghost stories and tales of the glories of Christmases long, long ago. So Christmas is celebrated in Europe and the U.S. It was originally connected to the winter solstice celebration and the festival known as Yule. And the darkest day of the year was seen by many as a time when the dead would have particularly good access to the living. You know, the Christmas holidays were a time when you're reflecting and the new year, when you're reflecting on the year gone by and like the ghosts of, you know, your past, present and future is a time of reflection. And that's why what uh, Charles Dickens tapped into and Wally ghost stories in particular really were um, pretty big uh, around Christmas time back in the day. I have this really long, interesting article called Why Do People Tell Ghost Stories on Christmas uh, that I found on the smithsonian.com that we'll link to in the show notes, but it's um, definitely worth a read. Yeah, I want to read that. That's fascinating. I've always loved that part of Christmas Carol in general. I know that's what drew me to the story initially was that fantastic element to it. So I love the story. I, I love most of the remakes or most of the versions or whatever you want to call that. But this one is my favorite. It's definitely one of mine. Mickey's has a soft place in my heart, though. I think this may have a, a Trump Scrooged for me and taken its place as my favorite. Aww. Wow. Did you use the word Trumped purposefully? Because the first song of this could have been about our current president of the United States. <laughs> <laughs> It really could have. I'm not even joking. <laughs> I I got down a, a etymological tangent that lasted way longer than it should just because um they didn't say it in here, but you know, in Charles Dickens he describes Bob Marley as dead as a doornail. So I got I went down a whole rabbit hole tangent looking because I remember that was from Shakespeare also used that term. But apparently that's been around since uh, the 14th century, and I did not know that. Oh, wow. So a little pointless uh, information that uh, from a rabbit hole I chased for absolutely no reason, and I'm bringing up for even less of a reason right now. So let's get into casting characters, because really that's most of this movie. Release date was December 11th in 92, uh, which we've established that Anthony is very young. Um, It was directed by (laughs) Brian Henson. Interesting note, this was his directorial debut, which I thought was... A heck of a way to start a career. 
Michael Caine didn't know until halfway through shooting. And he said when he found out, he was like super impressed because of all the technical aspects going into making a big special effects Muppets movie as your no first kidding. debut. Yeah. I mean, but that's a he, big bite. Had he worked with his dad before on stuff, I'm assuming? like I assume he did. Yeah. Because he immediately took over because Jim Henson died during pre-production. So mm-hmm. I assume he was originally slated to direct and then his son just took over. Mm-hmm. Man, that's got to be hard to to deal with grieving while you're continuing your father's legacy and something that's so uniquely and quintessentially your father. Yeah, definitely. Good job, Brian. Good job. It's also worth noting that fellow puppeteer Richard Hunt died in pre-production as well. And um, he'd been a Muppets puppeteer for a good long while. He did Scooter and some of the other characters as well. That's what starts the movie as a memoriam to Jim Henson and Richard Hunt. So I thought that was nice that they put it at the beginning and they didn't leave it for the end. I thought that was very intentional. Let's talk about our songs and our score real quick. And before we get to the characters, because I'm afraid the character is going to spin us out of control on quotes and stuff. And let me tell you, this thing is so quotable. (laughs) So songs in this movie, which music is the other gigantic thing. So if, if characters are the biggest part of the movie, music is the other biggest part of this movie. Music has always been gone hand in hand with the Muppets. All of their movies, except one, have been a musical. What was the one? Muppets in Space. Muppets from oh, Space. Oh, Muppets in Space didn't have it. But every other right. one has been a musical. Muppets I in mean, Space did have Pepe, though. Wasn't that the did. first one Pepe was in? It did, and I love Pepe. Oh, I love Pepe, too. He's so cute. Okay, so songs in this movie were written by Paul Williams. And when I was doing research, I'm like, Paul Williams, I wonder who that guy is. And I clickety-clacked and Googled him. And yeah, his face is absolutely 100% recognizable. Did y'all see who it was? No. So this guy is like a 1960s, 70s, 80s powerhouse when it comes to songwriting. He wrote Rainy Days and Mondays, We've Only Just Begun, The Carpenters, The Love Boat Theme, The Rainbow Connection. So as a lyricist, he's pretty impressive. Whether you like the kind of music that he that he is famous for or not, the lyrics in the songs in this movie are the best. Like, I think that's what makes the song so enjoyable because you can sing along to them very easily and they make you feel something. They're really well written. Like, they are. Extremely well written. Like one line that always jumps out to me and it's one of the first lines in the movie. And like, not to get onto a quoting tangent, but it's a line... It's a really um, Victorian London-looking pig sings. It paints you with indifference like a lady paints with rouge. I was -hmm. like, wow, that's a really well-written line. Mm -hmm. And that line always cracks me up, by the way, because of the way the pig (laughs) sings it as well. I love that line. (laughs) To go with the songs, the score was scored by Miles Goodman, um, who has credits such as Little Shop of Horrors, La Bamba, Dirty Rotten Scoundrels, which is near and dear to my heart. I love that movie. He said, she said, what about Bob, Sister Act 2, Back in the Habit, which I love that movie too. I oh, love that movie. No. I do. I love all the Sister Act. The first one's a classic. Two is the one with Lauren Hill. One is the one with Maggie Smith. They're both great. I think we can both agree Little yeah. Horrors is better. <laughs> I don't know. I'd fight you on that one. I really love oh. Sister Act 2. I, oh, I was I, I was waiting for you to like say that's a joke. I, I love Little Show. I like the... the live versions more but i love little shop i love the music oh i do too (laughs) but i mean i think i like the first sister act a little better (laughs) and what about bob i mean that we 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 over yeah that's an amazing movie that is a great movie wait which movie sorry (laughs) what about bob oh yeah i love that movie christine showed me that movie for the first time several years ago and i fell in love so muppets characters 
You have all your standard characters, but playing different roles, which I have to say I love in the credits how they say Kermit the Frog as Bob Cratchit. Um, <laughs> well, they treat I've them always... like real people. Like even exactly. on set. Like you're not, if, if you're talking to a puppeteer, they won't answer you. If they have the Muppet on them, you have to talk to the Muppet. So Michael Caine said that was, took a little getting used to and was funny. He said like the, one of the highlights of his career, by the way, was working on this film and working with the Muppets, oh. which is saying something given his storied career. That man right. is amazing. He is unbelievable. Yeah, he really is. It's kind of surprising to see. I mean, I, I like I said, I just I hadn't seen this. It was surprising to see him in this role for me. Just He's, it wouldn't have been if I'd have seen it as a kid, but just everything I've seen Michael Caine in, um, and just how serious of an actor he is, and how even how seriously he plays Scrooge here. He he took it because he wanted to do a film role that his kids and grandkids could watch. So that he wanted so to cool. do a family movie. Yeah, cool if your granddad had done this movie. Like if that he, was your granddad. He did an interview last year, I forget which magazine, they were talking about this movie, and he said, yes, he, I love it as much as people seem to love it. Like, oh. every time uh, he walks in on one of his grandkids watching it, he'll watch it for a bit, and he still remembers all the songs, everything oh. about it. So. I love that. I love hearing that. That's so cool. Yep. He does such a good Scrooge in this, and I read some tidbit that said that he basically told Brian Henson that he was going to do Scrooge as if he was on a Shakespearean stage. Like he was going to do it to the best of his ability and give it complete and utter attention. And he absolutely Aside did. from there being Muppets all around him. And he absolutely did. He did like, such a good job with Scrooge. You could lift his performance out of this movie and place it in a normal quote unquote version of A Christmas Carol and mm-hmm. it would hold up. Because he gave it his all. Yeah, yeah, totally agree. The parts when he's with Christmas Pass, the ghost of Christmas Pass, and he's watching himself in the schoolhouse and he's younger. And like you can see on his face when he's like, there were many Christmases like this. They were all the same. And you can just feel how lonely he was. And he just evokes that emotion like few people probably could. And for our Harry Potter connection, the ghost of Christmas Pass, like he always does, totally looks like Hagrid. Oh, how funny. That's present, right? Ghost of Christmas Oh, present. present. You're right. Co- ghost Past is a really little ter- girl. Was a terrifying looking Muppet. Yeah, you thought so she was terrifying? She was a little girl. I was watching this movie the other night, late at night, lights are out. <laughs> this, and you know, it's a cheery movie. I'm not thinking of anything of it. Then this little creepy girl with the white robe. I'm like, holy. Children go save Casper freaked me out. Yes, exactly. And I think that's what was it. Casper. It was her eyes, though. I think it was the eyes. There's something about that Muppet. Out of all of them, she was like the creepiest to me. So did you know she was specifically and specially constructed to be Muppeted in a tank of water? And they CGI'd on the green screen out behind her. So you could the floating effect was her in the water. I didn't know that, but you could, thinking back, you could totally tell, like, because she floated yeah, that really that well. Fluid. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I thought that was cool. She never creeped me out. Really? She freaked me out. So he's the main human character. Although I have to say that I love in Muppets movies how humans are side by side with Muppets and like nobody realizes otherwise, which I've always loved. So you have Gonzo is playing Charles Dickens, which I love (laughs) that they have a character playing Charles Dickens and being a narrator, so to speak. Rizzo the rat is Rizzo the rat, but sidekick to Gonzo. Rizzo is my favorite character in this movie. He always has been and he always will be. When you first, when we first meet him, and he's immediately calling out Gonzo as not Charles Dickens. Yeah, 
yeah. Well, I think what sums up his role in this movie is when he tells Gonzo, thank you for making me a part of this as Gonzo is cleaning one of Scrooge's windows because literally that. Rizzo is in this movie. He has nothing to do in this movie but to like riff off Gonzo and be like <laughs> the uh, punching bag, so to speak. So like totally. I found it really funny that he just called it out. Thank you for letting me be a part of this when Gonzo <laughs> is using him to clean the window. <laughs> I had that down as one of my favorite quotes. Uh, sorry. Yeah, I, I'm sorry. I just had to throw that out like because I think that perfectly <laughs> summed up his role in this film. Um, Kermit plays Bob Cratchit. And then Tiny Tim is just played by a subsequent Kermit-like character. I don't think he was a recurring Robin. Robin. His name is Robin. Miss Piggy is Bob Cratchit's wife. I am not a Miss Piggy fan. I've never liked Miss Piggy. Me either. Yeah, not a fan. Too much of a diva. Exactly. I was about to chime in and say I'm I'm gonna have a very unpopular opinion I'm sure and that's that I cannot stand Miss Piggy and I feel like yeah her her role in this wasn't as obnoxious as other things I've seen though it was kind of funny how she's all ready to attack Scrooge and she's really angry and then yeah, yeah. instead of backpedaling she just moves Kermit in front of her and walks away. <laughs> <laughs> And one of my favorite Muppets in this film doesn't have a large part, but his name was perfect for the role he played. And that's Fozzie as Mr. Fozziewig. Fozziewig. <laughs> Fozzie really was good as Fozziewig, I think. Kind of that dumb airhead Fozzie worked really well with Fozziewig. Yeah. You also have Stadler and Waldorf as the Marley Brothers, which Marley I and love. Marley. I love, these have always been two of my favorite characters also just in Muppet lore because they're just so dry and they're just hecklers and oh my gosh, they crack me up and they're really great as Marley brothers in this one. Yep, absolutely. I love the fact that even from the grave, they're heckling. Yeah. (laughs) When he says, this is more gravy than grave and they start laughing at him. I mean, that's an actual (laughs) quote obviously from Dickens, but I like how they they, they take time to make fun of Charles Dickens. More gravy than grave. That's a terrible pun. <laughs> yeah, they're so great. Well, he they even say, you know, we're still heckling. We're still glad to be heckling you. We're glad to be doing anything. Ha, ha, ha. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I love it. I can't wait to get to quotes, guys. Seriously. I can't either. <laughs> well, I know we um, just started singing Marley and Marley, but I had a question. You know, the one more sleep till Christmas? Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Is this where that whole, like we, we, we talk about Christmas in terms of how many sleeps we have. We've done it several times on the podcast. Is that where this originated or is this, is that older? Do we know? I would, I don't know, but I would have guessed they kind of developed a song based on a lot of people would count down sleeps till Christmas. <laughs> that was actually not something I had ever heard that X amount of sleeps till Christmas. I didn't hear that until two years ago. Really? Yeah. And it was my husband's secretary. She was like, only blah, blah sleeps. And I'm like, what a cool way to think about that. And then ever since then, everybody says it. You know, when you hear something and then all of a sudden you hear everybody saying it. That's been a part. Uh, I've heard that for as long as I can remember. Like growing yeah, up. Actually. Uh, it looks like, as, 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 as I'm finding in my quick search of the Googles, it was first coined in uh, The Muppet Christmas Carol. Oh, that's so neat. Well, that would explain why I heard it my whole life. I was only three. Because you were only three. <laughs> Rubbing it in. You're so young. You're so bitter. Tell you what. what, Tell you what? <laughs> <laughs> One other Muppet I just want to call out. He didn't have a big part, but um, the little bunny who comes trying Aww. to get money from Scrooge, the bean bunny, I think his name is. Oh, we're yeah. sitting there shivering. <laughs> oh, yeah. I know. I feel so bad. Well, first time you see him is when he's singing and he's all joyfully singing. Penny for and the song, governor. That- <laughs> <laughs> and then he gets that wreath thrown at his head and you're like, oh, you poor thing. And then you see him shivering. Yeah, I know. But I love they brought him back in the end to play kind of a important role. 
you know, when he's delivering the turkey to, to go buy Pratchett a and Tiny turkey, him. Uh, to go buy a turkey twice the size of him. Mm-hmm. And like <laughs> get salmonella just all over his little bunny body. Do you see that? Just this raw turkey he's carrying it through the streets. And I'm like, oh gosh, it's disgusting. Dude, cook that thing. Oh, and Dr. Honeyboot Do and Beaker are the guys who came for charity. I love those two yep. Muppets. They didn't have a big role, but I love the two of them. I, especially Beaker. Yeah, Beaker's great. I just love Beaker's the noise so Beaker great. was making. You have no idea what was going on there. <laughs> uh, Swedish Chef for those Muppet true people. Swedish Chef is in it. Is um, in one of the flashbacks. Yep, he's at the Fozziewig party. He's cooking a few things, and then Rizzo goes, Mom, Mom told me never to eat veggies that talk. Never eat talking food. That's what he says. Uh, speaking of those talking veggies, the ones at the beginning were also really terrifying looking. Oh, you thought they were terrifying? Yeah. Oh, they're so cute. Their faces. And uh, there was a choir of baby Muppets. Those baby Muppets are infamous. I know I'm not the only one. They're infamous online for people being terrified of them. Are Whenever you ser- they- the ones they end up fighting? They yeah. crack in the little red like yeah, yeah. tin soldier outfits. But people, like, not just in this movie, in every appearance they have throughout Muppet lore, people are terrified of those baby Muppets. Are you serious? When I saw that this time, because it'd been a few, it's been a while, maybe not a few years, it's been a while since I'd seen the movie. Those little baby Muppets, the first thing I thought of was my 11-month-old Jude. (laughs) Because he looks like them, like those, especially those two boys that keep like shoving each other. They crack me up. I do not think they're terrifying. I'm sure I wouldn't be terrified of your son. You might be if they look a lot like these terrifying <laughs> Muppet. I don't know, the big bald head and the big round face kind of reminded me of him. That's so funny that people think they're terrifying. We'll post pictures in the show notes. I'll put a picture of Jude up there and we can compare and see if y'all think that they really do look similar. <laughs> I love the uh, the speaking of the the vegetables when the what was it lettuce or whatever is getting stolen. He's like, "Help! I'm being stolen! Help me! Help me!" Well, did you notice um, the guy who was selling vegetables uh, after they sung their bit during Scrooge? He said, "Even the vegetables hate them," but it was Bert from Sesame Street. He wasn't even disguising his voice; it was the voice of Bert from Sesame Street. Oh, was it, it really? Yeah. How funny! Um, to, so just out of curiosity, if you had to pick one of these songs, I know they're all great. Which one is your favorite? For me, it's um, uh, I really like One More Sleep Till Christmas. And uh, Marley and Marley gets stuck in my head, but that's A-OK. I've been thinking it all day, all day today, um, just hearing them singing that over. And then uh, It Feels Like Christmas seems like an underrated Christmas song to me. Mm-hmm. I think it, It's I think probably it's my more. favorite. It feels like Christmas. For me, it's either Scrooge or Marley and Marley. Both of those are the two that always get stuck in my head. Marley and Marley is an earworm, but a very positive earworm. I, I love them all, though. They're all great. Um, it feels like Christmas. Uh, there's just something about seeing Michael Caine doing that jovi little dance with the haggard-looking Muppet and, uh, <laughs> in the middle of the street. It's you don't really, again, you don't really see him in roles like this. So it's cool to see him uh, like that. It was. I enjoyed it a lot. So speaking of the musical numbers, so the first one out of the gate that Anthony mentioned reminds him of Trump is Scrooge, which is the There Goes Mr. Humbug song. Mm-hmm. There are literal parodies just changing the name of Scrooge to Trump on YouTube and it fits so perfectly. But no, I think it sets the tone for who Scrooge is, mm-hmm. most definitely. And they, uh, I like how they even have that one um, positive verse about him, even though they quickly negate it by saying, nah, uh, he must be so lonely. He must be so sad. He goes to extremes to convince us he's bad. He's really a victim of fear and of pride. Look close and there must be a sweet man inside. And then they pause and they're like, Nah, uh uh-uh. uh. <laughs> Which again fits my comparison. <laughs> <laughs> 
Okay, so from that one, we have One More Sleep Till Christmas, which is Bob Cratchit singing it on the way home from wrapping things up at work. I love that one because I love him walking through the city and seeing like the penguin skating party and those penguins crack me up the way they flip and when they run into each other. And oh my gosh, that's so funny. I Um, have a note next to this song. This is when you really see the full scope of the set for the first time, like the town. mm -hmm. And it looks so Christmassy. Yeah, the atmosphere is great. Yeah, it really is. Is this the song where he sees the shooting star at the end of it? I think so. Yeah. Yep. When he's standing there and he sees the shooting star. Such a great scene. Mm-hmm. Which the shooting star is the is the recurring Kermit thing that happens in all Muppet movies, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay, and then you have Marley and Marley <laughs> by the Marleys, <laughs> which is sung to Ebenezer Scrooge, and um, that one's great because it has Stadler and Waldorf in it as the Marleys. Um, and then the little singing boxes, little boxes of money and all the chains and all of that. That is my least favorite scene in any Christmas Carol adaptation because it used to freak me out. People with chains, like which uh, then it would be like humans, obviously not Muppets. So this is the first time that scene, that whole part has ever worked for me in movie. Hmm. Well, it's funny. I, I've always loved this funny. scene. It is freaky yeah. scene. Like um, in A Christmas Carol, the musical, you know, like the stage show when there's uh, Marley comes and sin- sings link by link and then all the ghosts and all the chains come on stage like as a chorus and it's just really well done but really freaky because it's always in the dark with uh really dim lighting and they're like tying scrooge up in the chains so i totally get why it's your least favorite scene and why i would be freaked out by it but i I always always appreciated it it's a great illustration for sure i mean it totally works to illustrate that whole thing but this is my favorite so this is interesting I remember when I watched this as a kid, the only downside to this entire movie I had was this awful When Love Is Gone song. Old Ebenezer sings it with Belle, even though they're separated by time and she can't see him. Um, I hated this song. It was the longest part of this movie. I would fast forward through it every time. I was bored to tears. I was so done with this. So when I went back to watch this movie for the podcast, that whole part was gone. And I was so happy. It just skipped right over it. And like that took away any of my dislikes. That was my one dislike to this movie. And it looks like they edited that part out because they I don't felt like rem- it was. I don't even remember this song. So when I got your show notes, yeah. I saw When Love Is Gone. I was like, don't know what she's talking about right here. Which better. You're better for it. <laughs> it was just a, a lovey-dovey sad song between him and Belle. And- yeah, they have it in the musical version too. And I always yeah. hate that part in the musical version too. Yeah. I was never a fan of that part. Is what I mean, but so for those of you listening that listen that watch the old VHS version where it's still on there, count yourself not lucky. And for those of you who've not seen that part, well, congratulations, you've missed my least favorite part of this movie. Just jumping two songs ahead is Christmas Scat in this movie. Which song is it? Because I don't remember. It's just the tiny little bit where um, Bob has Tiny Tim on his shoulder and they're walking home and oh, comes okay. all, this season to be, you know, and he's, well, yep. or they're following and they're scatting back and forth. It's a teeny tiny little moment, but it is adorable. And I love yeah, it. So that's, that's a great moment. So um, we have, it feels like Christmas, which is sung primarily by the coast, the ghost of Christmas present. And then other people add to it, but it's initiated by him. I love that song. Tom said it was understated. It's such a great song. I don't think it's on our playlist guys. No, we definitely need no, to add it. not. I'm going to take care of that. So we're not part, we're part of the solution, not part of the problem here, guys. That's a great <laughs> idea. <laughs> Can we also put one more sleep till Christmas on there? We need to. I'll do that right now. Can we just put all of them on there? <laughs>
Except when love is gone. We're Marley and Marley. Oh, God, that song <laughs> is stuck in my head. I kind of like, though, going back to them for a moment, Statler and Waldorf as Marley mm-hmm. and Marley, they're usually relegated to just heckling the Muppets in whatever movie or show they're in. Like, just in the stands. They're never a part of, like, the main plot, usually. Mm-hmm. So it's good to see them get more involved and have a larger role in a Muppet story. Mm-hmm. Oh, definitely. The next song, major song, is Bless Us All, which is tiny, initiated by Tiny Tim there at the dinner table. It's a really sweet song. It really is. And it really kind of encapsulates what Scrooge is missing. So when he's watching it happen, his face is, is really fun to watch because it kind of drives home for him what's missing and what he was missing specifically growing up. Then you have Thankful Heart, which is sung by Scrooge. And then with help from other characters as well. I know we're going to be talking about Linus Tess later, but that's definitely proof in the pudding that we have Linus action going Debatable. on. Debatable. Debatable. I'm joking. You never get my, <sighs> you, you can never tell. Halfway through saying debatable, I was like, he's kidding. Ta- ta- Tom always trolls me. I like trolling you. <laughs> I was going to say we really could rename the Linus Test to the Scrooge Test. <laughs> Yep, totally. totally. And the finale is a, is a mix of When Love is Found, which is a remaster of When Love is Gone, and it feels like Christmas, and it's Scrooge and the whole cast, which is fun, because I could watch those Muppets sing all night long. They're so yeah. animated in their movements that, please sing to me, Muppets, and that's why they're so successful at it. So let's get into my favorite part. Likes and dislikes, including favorite quotes and scenes, please. Let's talk about this. <laughs> um, should this we rotate? Because we all have a lot. Yes, we should definitely rotate. Let's start with you, Anthony. Okay, quote-wise, when Scrooge first meets a ghost of Christmas present, and he's like, I don't think I've ever met anybody like you before. And the ghost is like, really? Over 1,800 of my brothers have come before me. And Scrooge is like, 1,800? Imagine the grocery bills. <laughs> Uh, I'm going with the the same scene. Uh, I I just, I love the ghost of Christmas present. Um, I've got a couple things here for him. I want to talk about where uh, he keeps repeating himself and Scrooge says, you're a little absent-minded spirit. And he replies, no, I'm a large absent-minded spirit. (laughs) (laughs) I lost it, guys. I just, I was cracking up. So I like the staff of bookkeepers in Scrooge's office, all the rats. They provide some of my favorite comic relief. Like there are three different things that happen in just that one scene where Scrooge is still there and then he leaves and they're, they're cleaning up. But my favorite is when um, they're, they're getting Bob to be their mouthpiece to get more coal. And they're like, tell him, tell him, tell him, Bob, tell him, Bob. And so Bob's like, can we get more coal? And they're like, my assets are frozen. And he's like, how would you feel on the unemployment line? And they all go, heat wave. This is my island in the sun. <laughs> they're dancing with their little cracker down. Oh my gosh. I still quote it with my mom to this day. Those rats crack me up. I have two Rizzo and Gonzo quotes that kind of go together, are related. So I'm just going to read them together. Mm-hmm. Um, the first is right before they're i think right when they get to the future rizzo gets stuck in something and he's like i'm stuck get me out of here and gans is like i knew you weren't suited for literature (laughs) (laughs) also to do with the whole theme of literature at the very end when rizzo's like nice story mr dickens and gonzo's like oh thanks if you like this you should read the book <laughs> i love gonzo I, and rizzo i love their whole bromance throughout not just this movie but throughout all of muppets lore ever since mm-hmm. rizzo was introduced i i like the uh this where gonzo slash charles dickens is telling what scrooge is doing inside the house you know and rizzo and gonzo slash charles dickens are outside and rizzo says mm-hmm. how do you know what scrooge is doing we're down here and he's up there 
said, I told you, storytellers are omniscient. I know everything. Hoity toity, Mr. Godlike Smart Pants. <laughs> His accent is so great. Is it a pretty faithful New York accent or is it played up? Kind of exaggerated. That's Just a great because I Just really love bit. it. Yeah. <laughs> I love it so much. Yeah, because when, when you mentioned earlier about um, thanks for making me a part of this. He's like, thanks for making me a pot of this. It's like a, a pot of this. It's all one word. I love Rizzo. So if we're if we're talking about Rizzo, another favorite quote is when um, Gonzo slash Charles Dickens is lighting the lamp and he gets Rizzo's tail and Rizzo goes, light the lamp, not the rat. Light the lamp, not the rat. Put me out, put me out. <laughs> I have that one too. Another one when they're trying to spy on Scrooge and like see what's going on. They're trying to look through his window on Christmas morning. And Rizzo's like, do you think it's safe up here for us to be up here? And Gons is like, Scrooge is safe. What else can happen? And then he opens the windows and sends them flying to the ground. I really like <laughs> When uh, uh, Gonzo gets knocked to the ground and seems to be uh, knocked out and Rizzo says, oh, Gonzo, speak to me. I mean, Mr. Dickens, Charlie, are you hurt? Gonzo gets up and continues right where he was. And Rizzo's like, he ain't hurt. He didn't even lose his concentration. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, well, I've got another Gonzo one. Rizzo goes, should we be worried about the kids in the... He's like, this is really scary. Should we be worried about the kids in the audience? And Gonzo goes, nah, this is culture. (laughs) (laughs) When they're hanging on to Scrooge, as Scrooge is hanging on to the ghost of Christmas past as they're flying above London, and Gonzo's (laughs) like, hello, London! And Rizzo's like, goodbye, lunch! (laughs) I've never understood his fascination with fowl. He's always one. Yeah, but it's just... It's just so weird to me. I've, I've never under. You're not supposed to understand it, though. He just is. You're supposed to accept it. Well, Gonzo's unlike any other. That was a whole plot of Muppets from Space. Right. Yeah. yeah. I know. It's just so funny to me. Gonzo was always my favorite Muppet, by the way. Just saying. Was he really? Yeah. I liked Gonzo. Mm-hmm. And I like. Well, I kind of like the Gonzo Russo pair. I like the two of them and Fozzie. I like the Swedish Chef. Yeah, I love that. I love the Swedish chef. Was the, Ralph in this movie? Like, even in the background of any scene? I know oh, Animal boy. was very briefly because I liked how he had to restrain himself playing the drums at Fozzie yeah. Wood's ball. Like, yeah, he was that just part's miserable great. hitting the. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, he looks real like anxious. Like you can see the anxiety building up in his body, and he's like, "Yeah, <laughs> yeah." That also reminds me of my eleven-month-old. <laughs> <laughs> no, I don't think Ralph was in it. I don't think so. So sad. I like Ralph. I like all the Muppets except Miss Piggy. But um, going back to uh, uh, when Scrooge is with the the Ghost of Christmas Present, which is—I mean, I just love their interaction. It cracks me up. But uh, Ebenezer Scrooge says, "This is Bob Cratchit's house." And Ghost of Christmas Present says, "How do you know that?" And says you just told me he said well i'm usually trustworthy <laughs> like the emphasis on usually there but the ghost of christmas present was much more enjoyable than the other two ghosts to me he always is oh, yeah. at least in my mind yeah. usually yeah he's supposed to be yeah the be- he always has the best design too it's just jovial happy although i like the design of christmas future in this movie as well you know your typical grim reaper but they yeah. made him you know a little bluer yeah and he's not super because that used to scare me too as a kid that mm-hmm. one but he wasn't super scary they walk the fine line between scary but not like can't watch this scary for kids so he learned his lesson thanks to Hagrid and a Dementor in this movie <laughs> he did that's exactly right <laughs> oh that's funny 
Okay, so I don't like Miss Piggy, but she definitely fills a very important role in this movie for me. I mean, the wife is never fleshed out, right, in any of the other movies or even in the original Christmas Carol too much. Right. So I really liked the way they decided to flesh her out in this one because she does have some pretty awesome lines. And the two daughters, Bettina and whoever the other one was that are the little mini Miss Piggies, cracked me up as well. So I love it when... At the very end, Scrooge has had his whole revelation, but he's totally messing with him, right? And he's standing at the door and he's like, why aren't you at work? And she's getting really angry at him. And then finally he's like, and I've decided to give you a raise and pay for your mortgage or whatever. And she's like, I'm going to raise you right off the pavement. And she's like, what? (laughs) (laughs) Okay. So the most uncomfortable scene for me in every version of A Christmas Carol, it's always the scenes where Scrooge is watching and hearing what people really think of him. But the one in particular, every version is a scene where he's watching his nephew's house and they're playing it's an unloved animal things like that makes me cringe every time how horrible that would be to hear like yeah a relative no less talking about you like that yeah and people laughing at your expense and yeah that part is heartbreaking yeah and michael kane really showed that well on his face also you can just see like him deflate Mm-hmm. he's just starting to love the season and sort of get what that whole family thing is. He told the spirit, you know, show me family. And then he sees that and that, yeah, that's so sad. I mean, it's like so sad. He had it coming. I don't no sympathy. Oh, I have total oh, I sympathy feel, I do for too. him at that point. You're heartless. <laughs> I do, I, another part that always makes me really sad is um, in every version is when he sees Bob Cratchit at Tiny Tim's grave. Yeah. Oh, uh, uh, nope. Yeah, that part's just ruthless. Uh, the 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 what the version that always gets me the most though is Mickey's Christmas Carol where Mickey's like crying and clutching the cane like Aww. oh man every time like I can't get through that scene it's rough oh yeah, that scene this relationship between Bob and Tiny Tim in this movie is really good it always it is, is really, really good. good yeah I love it I also like when Beaker at the end gives, gives him the his scarf. scarf. And he that puts it all so on. Oh, he does. And I he's so joyous that. to get it. Oh. And he can't. Yeah, he's like he's like in awe that somebody gave him a present. He's like yeah. a gift. A gift for me. For me. I yeah, I love that part. part. Yeah. I love that. I'm so glad Beaker is the one that got to do that too. There's something really so Beaker. innocent about Beaker because he can't talk. Like, mm-hmm. yeah, I really like that. You think that he's probably really all those those mutterings are probably curse words. <laughs> He's got, uh, he's got Tourette's going on or something. Okay, that reminds me of Star Wars real quick. Are you guys, are you guys both Star Wars fans? Is it the R2-D2 video? Well, R2-D2 no. translated? Well, that, but you know where that comes from, right? Because originally R2-D2 was going to talk in the film, and he was basically going to be a very... Um, basically angry very sweary robot which is why cvp is always acting in shock reacting in shock and awe to him so one of the notes george lucas got was well it would be a lot funnier if you don't actually understand what he's saying and just replace it with other sounds and then C-3PO's reaction would still be the same. And you can only imagine what he's like muttering at him. So oh my gosh. that just reminds me. I had me. no idea. Yeah. That's cool. Okay, so, that's cool. It was a good win. That was a, that was a good move. So R2-D2 yeah, really is was. a New York robot. Let's go back to Rizzo and Gonzo because they're my favorite. It's totally random. I don't know that I ever noticed it before, but it's when Rizzo and Gonzo are, when they're on the ground anyway, Rizzo gets his jelly beans and Rizzo goes, jelly bean? I had him in my pocket all along. And Grizzo just, Gonzo looks at him and is just like, ugh. Then Rizzo goes, what? And Gonzo looks at him and then Rizzo kisses him on the nose. <laughs> he just real goes, he just real quick goes, <laughs> 
the actor they got to play young Scrooge, I think they did a good job of casting him. He looked like a young Michael Caine, I thought. He did. He I really he did. Really did a good job casting him. And I think it's amazing that most, if not all, we can't say all of the effects in this film hold up. There were some really bad ones, mostly related to the ghost of Christmas past when they're flying and like the sky opens up and everything. But I mean, yeah. in terms of like the puppetry and the set design, like all of that, I think still holds up today to modern standards. Oh, I think so. I'm always impressed when you see Kermit just standing there. Mm-hmm. Like those are moments in any Muppet movie where I'm like, look at that. You could see his legs. There's yeah. no hand hanging out of anywhere. I'm super impressed. Maybe I'm just <laughs> easily impressed. I don't know, but I always love when you could see Kermit's legs. I like puppets too. Do you guys like the Muppets in general? Like outside of this movie? I do. I'm not obsessed, hardcore, love Muppets. We'll see any Muppet movie that comes out, but I will eventually make my way to Muppet movies. Yes. Uh, I've never been a big Muppets fan. I don't dislike the Muppets. I was definitely, as a kid, much more into uh, Sesame Street. I love Sesame Street. I love Sesame Street. I like the Muppets a lot. Not one of these hardcore fans. Yeah, but I wonder if like part of the reason I like them so much is because the first time I saw them was in a Christmas movie. Well, it's got to be. <laughs> yeah. And that's kind of what makes like Marty is not a big Muppets fan. But I feel like with this movie, since they're Muppets playing recognizable characters, that it's so easy to love the Muppets in this environment, whether or not you are a massive Muppets fan or not. It is. It is. And I'm wondering, you know, now that I'm at a point where I have a kid and I'm I'm going through and... She's making all. She's starting to make all of these Christmas memories and have all these Christmas experiences. How much of my opinion of what I like and what's been important to me changes and shifts? I'm already seeing a little bit of a shift, and it's kind of cool to watch. Well, you did with Charlie Brown. I did with mm-hmm. Charlie Brown, and uh, I was. I'm not the biggest Muppets fan, but I. I I really love this now after watching it. So you guys know this isn't within the world of the Muppets. This movie is not Muppet canon, right? Why? So there are only movies that are Muppet canon are the original Muppet movie, the Muppets Take Manhattan, and the most recent, the two most recent Muppets movies. The rest of the time, the Muppets are starring in movies as these characters. So they're in show business. So these movies aren't, canon to the Muppet story themselves they're playing these roles as it's like you know James Conn being cast in a movie it's Kermit the Frog being cast in a movie Mm -hmm. whereas with those other four movies that's we're watching them in their actual lives they're not supposed to realize they're in a movie in those other ones so in these like Muppet Treasure Island Muppet Christmas Carol Muppets from Space they know they're in a movie they're playing like they're in a movie for those of you who are don't know about the Muppets there's a bit of trivia for you I learned something today. <laughs> I thought dogs laid eggs. So that does bring us to, do you have to love Muppets to love this movie? No. No. <laughs> but I but I do think it definitely helps because Gonzo and Rizzo in particular, a lot of them, they are the same Muppet personalities from every other media the Muppets are in. Right. But because they're injecting those personalities into other iconic characters you know i don't think you necessarily have to like the muppets to enjoy this film but it helps it does yeah but well yeah so like even at, Fo- at Fozzie wig's party when you see the swedish chef if you like the muppets or if you have some history with them you can pick out the little easter eggs that are or sam the, the eagle as the headmaster reading exactly yeah, reading yeah. Yeah. so great i don't have the quote written down but when he says something about a future as steady as the shelves in this school and gonzo mm-hmm. and rizzo <laughs> knock down the shelf <laughs> i'm meaning to fix that <laughs> i like it when he says it's the american way <laughs> 
It's the British way. (laughs) (laughs) Well, we all agree on that then. You don't have to love the Muppets to love this movie. And again, I think a lot of that is just because it's the retelling of a familiar story with these characters that that slide very easily into, you know, each role, each recognizable role. So where for y'all, and I don't want to get super deep because eventually we're going to cover different Christmas Carol versions, but just a lot just of them. <laughs> briefly. Uh-huh. And this question is also for listeners. Where does this particular Christmas Carol retelling fall or rank in your Christmas Carol versions? It's definitely near the top for me. It's near the top with Mickey's Christmas Carol. And I also have a guilty place for um, the Hallmark one starring uh, Kelsey Grammer and Jason Alexander as Scrooge and Marley. I really like that version. Oh, I haven't seen that one. And, you know, Batman Noel. But those, all of them, I just love A Christmas Carol, but those four are probably my top tier ones. I, I've always really, I really loved Bill Murray as Scrooge, but Michael Caine does a much better job. I would love to see Michael Caine do a straight-up adaptation of A Christmas Carol. I really would. I don't know if I do. I really like seeing him with all of the uh, all the Muppets. It's heartwarming. It is, but I think I would like to see his acting. Like, because I just want to see the physical proof that he would hold up as well in a regular adaptation. I this is my favorite Christmas Carol. But I really love Patrick Stewart's Christmas Carol as well. I was really surprised by it, honestly, how much I enjoyed it. But I kind of feel like you can't go wrong with Patrick Stewart. You really can't. And a connection between Patrick Stewart and Michael Caine, they are probably two of only four British actors who are never in the Harry Potter movies. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Along with James McAvoy. Didn't he say that on a late night show? And he said, uh, uh, I think it was Jimmy Fallon was asking him what he was doing in the years that Harry Potter was being filmed. And he's like, well, I was one of the four people that was four British people that was not in the Harry Potter movies. So I was doing real well. Thanks for asking. We kind of addressed if this passes the Linus test. We also addressed if we should change it to the Scrooge test. Does this movie pass the Linus test? <laughs> Why do I get stuck with the movies that clearly pass the Linus test? You realize lucky. that? I like, am. Yeah, I'm just I, lucky. I, I have There's no stuff. fight. There's no fight about this one. Like this movie it, very clearly passes the Linus. Test. Yeah, there's no way we can say otherwise. Yeah, and I don't know point... that you can have Christmas without a Christmas Carol no. to begin with. You yeah, can I think point it, through multiple times throughout the movie. It's oh, Linus yeah. moments. Yeah. It's just like we said with. Uh, uh, a Christmas movie, it's really hard to blow the score. Well, it's really hard to blow the entire storyline of A Christmas Carol and make it not a Christmas movie or, or not give it the Linus test. I don't know how that would be possible. I don't think it is. Any version sure of A Christmas Carol that does not pass that test <laughs> deserves to be ranked with Santa's sleigh. You know who, I was going to say, you know, who could, you know who could pull that off would be the writer and director of Santa's sleigh. <laughs> <laughs> Let's do final thoughts and rank this movie. Anthony, final thoughts? Well, like I said, I grew up with this movie. I've always loved this movie. My appreciation for it grows each time I watch it. And it's really especially grown, you know, as I grew up and became more familiar with the original story. Because again, this movie is a really faithful adaptation and lifted a lot of the dialogue straight from the original story. My final thoughts. I love it. I was really happy. It gave me a lot of good Christmas feels. And like I said, I love Michael Caine. Um, the, the Muppets in this were, I don't they just gave me such good feelings. They were so warm and it was familiar from childhood. 
Um, even though, like I said, I wasn't the biggest Muppets fan growing up. Um, it's a great movie. It's definitely part of my Christmas canon now. And it's on the photo for our naughty and nice list on the website. Hmm. Nice. Right above next week's episode. That's kind of funny. Yep. Final thoughts. I, I adore this movie. Every part of it. I love the original Christmas Carol story and remastered with Muppets and Michael Caine. You can't go wrong. The music is fantastic. The humor is still funny, regardless of how many times I've seen it. And uh, this is a movie that I give to people to watch all the time because you can't go wrong with it. It's just, it's perfect. Okay. So let's rank this movie. Anthony, what do you give it? A nine. Oh, Tom. A nine. I'm giving it a 10. That gives us an average of 9.6666666667. (laughs) (laughs) Or we'll just round it up. We'll just round it to 9.67. Which puts it in as number two, right below Elf. Yay. And that feels right. That That feels right. That feels right. So yeah, I have an unorthodox (coughs) request to make of you guys before we go through our list again. I was listening to last week's episode on Santa's sleigh. Mm -hmm. And I was really conflicted how to score uh, score that film. If you remember, I was like weighing scoring it on its own versus scoring it in a Mystery Science Theater 3000. And ultimately, I scored it on its own. So afterwards, I went back and listened to the I'll Be Home for Christmas episode. Yeah. And that film I scored in a Mystery Science Theater 3000 type of way rather than on its own so i set kind of two precedents for myself so i don't want to set a precedent by asking if i can go back and change the score but can i go back and change my score for i'll be home for christmas (laughs) because i need to get it on the same precedent as santa's sleigh and judge all the movies based on their own merit and not in the mystery science theater 3000 so this one time since it only happened the once you two can deliberate Julia, are you, what are your thoughts on that? I don't mind either way. So um, what, what was your score? My score was a 4.5, and Arthur Christmas was a 4. So I gave Santa just like 1.5. I'm going to give I'll Be Home for Christmas a 2.5. Oh, I was going to guess 2. That seems fair. That seems fair, and it does. It does uh, there's a little I, bit of learning curve here in what we're doing. I almost get I you almost guessed correctly. I almost gave it a two, but then I was like, this is better than half a this more than half a point better than Santa's sleigh. So I just gave it the full point. You know, as I reflect on our last uh the seven movies that we've ranked against each other, taking out uh Charlie Brown Christmas, which is gonna be in a in a different class. Um I feel pretty confident with where I've ranked everything. I I've tried to look at it on its own merit, and I think that's a good that's a good plan that we all use a good theory for us all to, to, to use as we're moving forward. So cool. that gives us our top eight, which is goes number one, Elf. Number two is The Muppet Christmas Carol. Number three is Home Alone. Number four, Krampus. Five is Die Hard. Six is Arthur Christmas. Seven is I'll Be Home for Christmas. And eight is Santa's Sleigh. And I have to point out, guys, I have nominated the bottom two movies for the list. <laughs> So stop, so stop the hate mail coming to me and Julia. 
So we've had some awesome feedback this week. Um, we've had some really great reviews. We want to thank y'all for getting in there and reviewing either in iTunes or Facebook or wherever. We're so thankful for it. We have a five-star review on iTunes from Jenga Lover Forever. This podcast is awesome. I found it on the Christmas subreddit and I have been hooked ever since. I look forward to it every week. Keep up the good work. Y'all rock. Well, I'm hoping you're a Texan because y'all is in there and I can appreciate anybody with y'all in their reviews or text or anything at all. So thank you so much, Django Lover Forever. We really appreciate that. And I don't know about y'all, but I really love hearing people say they look forward to it every week. Yeah, gives me, me the too. warm fuzzies. I love that. So thank you for that. Alan also left a Facebook review. Great guys, great stuff. Thanks for bringing the Christmas cheer. Thank you, Alan. And we have um, another Facebook review from Rachel Poole, who has a super awesome avatar. It's a little Funko Pop avatar, by the way. Great, great avatar, Rachel. Um, her review was just a few episodes in, and it feels like sharing a glass of wine with old friends after dinner. If you're already Christmas crazy, these guys might take your love of the holidays to a whole new level. That's a great review. I love that. I love that. <laughs> People are connecting with us. and Rachel interacts with us a lot on Twitter, too, just for the record. She shares a lot of our stuff, so she's a oh. good... Um, all our, you, all our listeners are good, but she's very um, an active listener. Thank you, Rachel. Tom, speaking of Twitter, do you want to talk about some of the Twitter action we've had lately? Yeah, it's been kind of uh, exciting to see uh, Twitter picking up a little bit. Um, we did a poll this week, with, uh, and 20 of you voted. And the question we asked was, who do you think is bigger in the minds of people around the world and has the bigger influence on pop culture, Charlie Brown or Snoopy? The winner was Snoopy with 65%. Charlie Brown got zero, but 35 people said they're equally as big. If I were to give my, my two cents, I think just going to a store and looking at like the holiday ornaments or looking at any of the peanut stuff, Snoopy is always front and center. I know uh, Dr. Lind discussed them competing in America a lot closer than other places, but in from where I stand, I see and, and I've thought about this since our episode, I see a lot more Snoopy than anything. Um, Me too. And in the United Kingdom, like Snoopy is way more popular than Charlie Brown. The Twitter user uh, at Fragrant Hills said Defo Snoopy. I know a good deal of people from abroad that knew Snoopy, but only vaguely knew who Charlie Brown is. So that was interesting. We got to hear this week. This was kind of fun uh, that we were part of someone's vacation. Our friend that we've mentioned before, Charlene, who is at Forever Char uh, on Twitter, said she's currently on the beach relaxing and listening to the uh, newest episode of Tis the Pod, and this is her vacation behavior. I'm glad we can be a part of that. We had one more. In response to Santa Slay, uh, discussing Santa Slay, we had um, at Pennywise underscore float said, definitely wouldn't want this guy coming down my chimney, LOL. Um, we can agree. I would definitely prefer the Grinch over uh, evil demon, antichrist child, grown-up wrestler Santa, burning <laughs> Grand Rusher's hair. <laughs> that image has been forever burned on my brain. Oh, <laughs> bazinga! <laughs> um, so we got a lot of lot of Reddit feedback this week. So just splitting it up a bit. Uh, Chris uh, on Christmas traditions. We asked last week, what are some traditions you incorporate around the holiday season that other people might not? User Dave Mello 84 said, 
As for fun Christmas traditions I keep every year, I'm not sure if others do this, though I bet they don't. I always listen to Michael Bublé's Christmas, Baby Please Come Home, as my first song of the season, November 1st. It puts me in the mood. I also watch Christmas Vacation with my wife the day after Thanksgiving, which is also the day we decorate. I watch The Night Before by myself on the 15th floor of my school's library on the day before finals as well. When that one, when he said it, uh, it puts me in the mood, I just wanted to, to chime in with a little bow. <laughs> you guys can edit that out. That was just for you. I think Christmas Vacation, I told him on this on Reddit, by the way, is the perfect bridge between Thanksgiving and Christmas movies. Like That's the perfect like Thanksgiving Christmas movie. I don't know what you think about that, Julia, because you're the biggest Christmas Vacation fan, I think, on the podcast. Oh, no, I totally agree with that. Yeah. Disco 54 wrote, I've become aware of something called Love Actually Day. It's the day five weeks before Christmas when people watch Love Actually. This year falls on November 20th, so I'll be doing that this year. To my mind, the best November transition movie is, unsurprisingly, November Christmas. It's a Hallmark movie, but Sam Elliott and Karen Allen really drag this one up and make it above average for Hallmark. Christmas tradition, my wife and I get to open a present each before we go to bed on Christmas Eve, and we each choose what the others open. So all that's Well, that's fun. I've never seen November Christmas. Have you guys? I haven't. I love Sam Elliott, though. Yeah, I do, too. Um, So in response to Santa's sleigh, uh, Disco 54 wrote, in twice once before after seeing the movie before listening to our episode and once after listening to our episode so the first time he wrote in he said i'm watching santa slay and i completely understand why julia is furious with it but i've been laughing hysterically it's too stupid to get angry at if beavis and butthead decide to make a christmas film then this would probably be it which is i think the perfect description for that film um it's all i hoped it would be and more our 13 year old would love it my inner 13 year old loves it so <laughs> After listening to our episode, he wrote back in, Julie's not that angry, more peeved. What a film. It really is the most tremendous piece of crap edited for language. It's the kind of film that if you were a twelve if you were twelve, you'd eat it up. The problem is you're looking at it through your sophisticated filter of being an adult and what you want from a Christmas film. Channel the part of you that likes fart jokes and the three stooges and the evil dead. Is it really so bad? Yes, yes it is. But some days you want steak, some days you can manage with sausage. The stinking turd of a movie is sausage, but I like sausage. I just don't want it when I should have steak. I'm glad I watched it, but I don't need to watch it again. Let's move on and see if we can find something else to enrage Julia. Okay, the steak sausage part of that (laughs) comment is like the best thing ever. I I like sausage, I just don't want it when I should have steak. (laughs) I, I love that he wants us to find a movie to really enrage you. Oh, gosh. I just think that's... So, Tom, since you pick, have picked all the bad ones so far... Yeah, wait a we're, we're, we're leaving this task up to you. Um, on, oh, I'm going to have to think on that one. So, I think back in the Charlie Brown episode, we got a lot of feedback for that episode as well this week. We had asked in that episode... What are your Chris, some Christmas book recommendations you had? You know, what Christmas books and stories do you like reading around the holiday season? So Disco 54 wrote, I'll recommend two of my favorites. The Last Train Home by Tony Wilson, which surely needs making into a film or TV special. Lost Christmas by David Logan, which was made into an excellent TV special by the BBC a few years ago. A Thin White Duke, <clears throat> he's also written in before wrote in, I am a traditionalist in terms of festive reading. I read A Christmas Carol every year, plus as an English teacher, I've been able to teach it each year. My current class are counting down the days with me already. All my students know I'm a Christmasaholic. That's awesome. That is awesome. I also read Dickens' other short Xmas stories, such as The Chimes. 
As for a different style, I love Terry Pratchett's novel, The Hogfather, which is set in his Discworld universe. There's also a very fun TV adaptation of it. The, uh, the whole Discworld series seems a bit overwhelming to l- jump into. <laughs> uh, yeah, but it's not one you have to read in order. They're very standalone stories just set in the same universe, so you can pick and choose which ones you read. Also, if you can find copies, A Christmas Cornucopia by Mark Forsyth and Bad Santas by Paul Hawkins are fascinating nonfiction reads about Christmas myths and traditions. So that sounds cool because I love learning that about mythology. Cool. Then the Maddie Without Fear wrote, one of my favorite Christmas books is Skipping Christmas by John Grisham. The themes, Yay. Of, com- <laughs> <laughs> the themes of community and family are great, especially for that time of year. My other favorites are corny and predictable Christmas novels. A few that I really like include The 12 Days of Christmas and Dashing Through the Snow, both by Debbie McComer. So I've got to read this Skipping Christmas because first and foremost, Tom recommended it, and now everyone seems to be recommending that one. Yeah, me too. On a Charlie Brown Christmas, Disco 54 wrote in, Snoopy is a bigger worldwide character. Snoopy is iconic. You see his image everywhere without Charlie Brown in the same way you see Garfield without John, which I thought was like the perfect like comparison. Although Charlie Brown is, you know, no John, not get carried away. But <laughs> he, he also wrote, after he watched Charlie Brown Christmas again, it's like a lost episode of Seinfeld. It's like Jerry has a Christmas dream of George. It's actually pretty strange to see a seven-year-old kid wandering around talking about his depression, which that's a really interesting take. He wanted to say, that said, there's a few things worth mentioning. There are proper laugh-out-loud moments in this. It's genuinely funny and still stands up and is relevant. There's a point where one of the child actors stumbles over her words and they left it, which just makes it more real because little kids are always tripping over their speech. Then he wrote in, and we didn't discuss this last week, and I don't know if either of you noticed it because I didn't. Lastly, and most importantly, during Linus's Christmas speech, he drops his security blanket. I thought that was a nice touch. He didn't need it. He was securing his message about what Christmas is about, but as soon as he was done, he needed his security again. Cute. Did either of you notice that? No, but that is like the best thing ever. Yeah, it really is, right? I mean, I I loved, yeah. This is a great part of this comment. Yeah. I went back and watched it after, and he's totally right, and I think that's awesome. And I never picked that up in all the years I've been watching. Um, Good job, Disco. Yeah, seriously. And then he wrote, my two-year-old was awake this time, and she happily watched with me, so I guess we'll have this on again because she can get along with it. Also, it's not to like. He's making Christmas memories with his daughter of like you are, Tom, which is awesome. That is awesome. So there is something interesting. Disco54 also started a thread on Reddit called The Secret Santa. And he wrote, I know I keep talking about stuff I watch, but if you haven't seen this, then I totally recommend it. It was on TLC a few years ago. Not a channel noted for its Christmas output, I have to say, and it's just superb. Set out as a docudrama, it really, it's really well done, but also pretty clever as well. Buckle up and get the tissues ready. It's on YouTube in certain countries if you subscribe to TLC. Did you guys watch the trailer for this docudrama by chance? I did. I did. How awesome yeah. does it look? It and looks I want- magical. I want to add it to like our first free spot, like immediately, by the way, because <laughs> I want, I really want to watch it. I don't want to watch it like before we cover it. Cause none of us have seen it. So I think we should watch it for the first time right before we watch. The full I agree. Yeah, cool. So disco 54, right after we finish recording tonight, we're going to add it to our list. You know, I'm really kind of bummed that our list was so well established because disco 54 also had originally asked us to do, to help him uh, with some love actually day. And uh, we weren't able to. But he'll have a good movie for Valentine's Day. He will. Well. And then the last thing with Reddit is, so both user Disco54 and Timberbeast recommended our podcast in the Christmas subreddit. So 
thank you for that because we've been trying to do it multiple times and keep getting shut down. We really appreciate the recommendation. Also user MLGMEMER420 found us via the Christmas subreddit and listened to our Charlie Brown episode. He thought it was, quote, good stuff and wants to help us spread the word. But he wants to know if there are other ways to do it besides Facebook at night. Be creative. I mean, yeah, I'm, all, I don't know. I'm all for you like uh, wrapping your car and it's the podcast wrap. No, but seriously, anything helps. Anything at all. Um, telling friends that you know, you found us on the subreddit. So when we have an episode you like, we'd love it if you'd share a, uh, uh, a new subreddit post uh, on the on the our Christmas. Um, just say, hey, just heard this great podcast. Um, for those of you who don't know, um, Anthony and I have gotten in trouble with one mod in particular on there. We are not shall allowed, not be named. We are not allowed to discuss the podcast at all. Well, that, let me rephrase that. We are not allowed to start any post about the podcast because it's seen as self-promotion. Um, apparently, the other mods don't care, but there's one on there. Who does? So if you guys ever want to share the love, um, it's ideal. It was a, This is a podcast that was built out of that community. Um, that's how Anthony and I met and uh, really what got the... Uh, things in motion for this podcast so we would we want to we want to be we want this podcast to be a part of that community um but we can't make that happen yeah he definitely needs to go some christmas past present and future to visit him this christmas (laughs) (laughs) and this is why i like you anthony (laughs) it's so true it's so true um so yeah that's all the feedback we have it's a lot of good feedback guys we're, Thank you so much, everybody. We, we love that we got so much this week, and we hope you know you guys keep engaging because we love it. We really do. Not only did we get a lot of feedback this week, but we hit our biggest day ever for uh, downloads. Um, yesterday when our, our post went up for Santa Slay, uh, we had over 110 people download in one day, putting us almost on and, – and today was pretty active as well, so we're well on a pace to hit uh, – 200 downloads for the podcast this week alone, which is, which is great. Like I said, like I think we've said before when we started, I had only half jokingly told Anthony and Julie, I'd be happy if five people listened to us. <laughs> uh, we are definitely there. So yeah, it's, I've, it's blown me away. The support we've received so far, like you guys are this, rad. this far out from Christmas too. still. Okay. So next week's movie I'm excited about, plus a guest host as well. Our movie next week is Nightmare Before Christmas, since we're getting so close to Halloween season. And it will, Casey, it will drop the day before Halloween. Um, and we have a guest host, Casey Mott of Parkbound Buttons. She's very big in uh, Disney circles, Disney um, knickknacks, and, and Disney-themed items. Hers particularly are buttons. So she's going to join us since she has a pretty unique take on all things Disney, given that she goes so much and it's kind of her life. So she's going to join us. I'm really excited about that. For our question of the week for listeners, we've got a few questions. We've got, um, what's your favorite version of Christmas Carol? Specifically, how does the Muppets Christmas Carol fit into your favorite version of a Christmas Carol? And let us know what you thought about um, the Muppet Christmas Carol in general. Uh, Do you love it? Were your first great experiences of it when you were a kid? Are you learning it through your own children, watching it with them? Um, We'd love to hear your feedback on it, particularly if, I'd love to hear if y'all think that you have to love the Muppets to love Muppets Christmas Carol. 
Did y'all have a question? So I'll ask one, and it's not very Christmas related, but since we're doing a movie that's half Christmas, half Halloween, I'm going to ask, you know, what are some of your Halloween traditions? And what are you, how do you generally celebrate that holiday if you do? And what do you plan on dressing as this year? This year for Halloween, our beautiful little 20-month-old daughter is going to be dressed as the Morton Salt Girl. She's got a little yellow yellow shoes, little umbrella, and she's got a a little little thing of Morton Salt that's going to have some streamers coming out of it as she's walking. Um, And I am currently wearing my costume. I am going as a USPS postal worker who is (laughs) (laughs) off-duty. Um, but no, I'm really sad. I'm gonna miss. I'm gonna have to miss my daughter's first year trick or treating. Oh, that's so sad. Do you have any other traditions for Halloween? Like, do you decorate? Anything not like a that? one. What about you, Julia? <laughs> so, as far as traditions, not not really, other than trick or treating. But we always we decorate for Halloween. Not like to the level of Christmas decorations, but we always put spider webs up outside of our front door and our entryway and stuff like that. We have some lights on the tree and some like little cutesy. We don't do the super scary decorations. We do more of the cute decorations. Mm-hmm. Um, and then this year, if we're talking about dress ups, my almost one year old is going to be a spider, which is going to be adorable. because legs are going to be popping out of his body. Um, Ethan is my 11 year old. He is going to be a serial killer. And by serial killer, I mean, he's going to have, little boxes of cereal <laughs> on his shirt and then a really big knife That's because awesome. my kids are into ironic punny costumes apparently because my 13 year old is going to be a ceiling fan which just means her shirt is going to say go ceilings <laughs> ceiling fan yep and then my six-year-old is going to be a creeper from minecraft <laughs> Ooh, very cool yeah yeah, I decorate for Halloween, not to the extent of Christmas. I've been decorated since like mid-September. We don't have a lot of Halloween decorations, yeah. but you know, just get them out. I decorate early because the earlier Halloween comes, the closer Thanksgiving and Christmas are. So, just like you're forcing the- it. Yeah, you're forcing it to come faster. So it just puts me in the mood. I have oh, a few decorations well, well. like I grew up with that my parents got rid of. <laughs> I have a few decorations that my parents got rid of as they've you know clean out the house and you know they don't really decorate anymore with no kids home and being very young anymore so i have a few childhood decorations up like the ceramic ghost bowl that you fill with candy and it uh its eyes light up and it talks when you reach for it and i have a gargoyle knocker that when you it's motion activated so when you get near the door it knocks by itself and the gargoyle turns its head and a um light up pumpkin like an electronic one that uh it's carved in the shape of one of Casper's uncles, uh, Stinky. So yeah, besides that, I mean, me and Sarah always dress up. Our town does an annual Halloween parade. This year it's on Saturday the 28th of October. And then, you know, on Halloween, it's afterwards we'll go out in town, you know, with friends, drink a bit. And then um, Halloween itself, usually we'll go out, sometimes dressed up, sometimes not, and just walk around town and just see all the people in costumes and everything like that. That's fun. My landlord is a Grinch and a Scrooge and won't let trick-or-treaters into the building. So we don't get trick-or-treaters, so no point staying home for them. But we would love to hear your, you know, Halloween traditions and what you're being for Halloween and everything like that, listeners. And since we're doing A Nightmare Before Christmas next week, also let us know whether you think that's more of a Halloween movie or more of a Christmas movie. 
and we'll discuss it on the podcast, I'm sure. But I'm curious to know. So get ahead of us on that debate so you can settle the debate if any fights break out. Besides that, we just want to make our usual plea to send in your answers to the questions, follow us across all social media, subscribe to us on iTunes, and please, 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 please review us and leave us reviews on and ratings on iTunes and Facebook. Um, each review and rating helps new listeners, potential new listeners, find us, have an easier time of finding us. So by helping us get the word about our podcast up there, you're helping us spread the Christmas spirit year round. We all want that, right? And um, if that's not incentive enough, just remember we have an ongoing promotion. If you leave us a review on iTunes or Facebook, you will be entered into our promotional giveaway to win a pump. Uh, Pop Funko action figure of Uncle Eddie from National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation. Cousin Eddie from National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation. So if you leave us a review both places, you'll be entered twice. So you have until Halloween to get those reviews in because the episode we recorded that week is when we're going to announce the winner. So please review us. We'd really appreciate it. And exciting news, guys. It's only 63 days until Christmas. Getting so close. We're almost two months away. (laughs) I'm so excited. Me too. Thanks so much for listening, guys. We'll see you next week. Thanks, guys. Bye. Hey, every time I just want to say bye, buddy. Bye, buddy. Hope you hope again. Every time. (laughs) It's in the singing of a street corner choir. It's going home and getting warm by the fire. It's true wherever you find love. It feels like Christmas. A cup of kindness that we share with another. A sweet reunion with a friend or a brother. In all the places you find love, it feels like Christmas. It is the season of the heart. A special time of caring. The ways of love made clear. And it is the season of the spirit. The message if we hear it.